रोशनी का कारवा दिस पॉडकास्ट इज ब्रॉट टू यू बाय बैरियर ब्रेक सॉल्यूशंस प्राइवेट लिमिटेड एंड स्कोर फाउंडेशन Hi my name is George Abraham and welcome to this episode of Iway Conversations my guest today is Subramani he is a journalist an author a blogger and the father hi subramani welcome to the show thank you george thank you very much and uh, thanks for having me here so you have been working as a journalist for several years now and um, and this is rather unusual for a blind or a visually impaired person what's the story behind this i wasn't born blind uh i should say that i could see until i was about 16 and uh, as a as a child i had this nose for news as as we used to say in our line of work uh where you know we kind of get interested in uh, in what what's being discussed uh, on television because those days as you know there is just one television channel in india and we used to watch that uh, and i used to be the only guy at home who used to sort of sit down and watch the news in my school days i remember uh, you know there used to be this assembly my teacher used to read out the news headlines that day when i went to school there was this headline declaring that uh, you know the prominent devotional singer uh, who's also my mother's favorite had passed away so those days uh, there was no news as such so who was this uh, devotional singer who had passed away bangalore air ramaniam mal Okay, Bangalore Air Ramani Amal is a very prominent voice in Tamil. Right, uh, she sang the the Lord Muruga songs. You know that those are her famous songs. And right. my mother always used to play them. You know at home. So uh, the morning assembly news assembly, my professor, I mean my teacher read this news, and then I ran home in the afternoon, and then told my mother, and took a little, little pleasure out of the distress and the sadness she felt because. that uh, told me that i was the first person to give her the news so uh so those were my first forays rather um unconsciously into uh news by 15 i was uh, diagnosed with uh, retinitis pigmentosa and uh by the time i entered college as a 17 year old i was completely blind and uh, it was uh, a tough transition because you know we were out and about asking for information who to uh, approach for help or uh, how does one move around with blindness uh, so many questions so many uh, searches so many uh, sort of ways in which we were desperately searching for answers we got some answers uh, i guess that's why i'm here but a lot of other questions were unanswered you know the sense you know uh, an emotional adjustment is one you know psychologically and emotionally how you get adjusted to to this idea that you know you can no longer see the world and uh, you know you have to sort of uh, deal with it in a practical sense you should have the the, the strength to take it uh, and uh, in your chin and this just move on and then uh, in 1994 uh, by the time i finished my bachelor's and getting into masters i was sitting with my college mates and we were having a kind of a talk about what was going to be in our future and i said you know i wanted to be a journalist and then uh, 
it was met with laughter. But that stuck on with me. And when I finished my master's in 96, uh, I wanted to sort of do briefly uh, sort of uh, thought about the idea of civil services. But uh, I realized that that wasn't somehow going to help me. And then I got into journalism. It seemed like a natural thing for me. I did my postgraduate diploma in Bharti Vidya Bhavan, Chennai. Uh, and then at the end of 1998, I started uh, interning with the New Indian Express, after which uh, I started freelance. That's how it started. And uh, yeah, it kind of, I realized it completely, uh, my, my idea, my dream in 2004, when Deccan Herald hired me, and uh, I've been with them since. So when uh, you were facing the interview board, uh, say at Deccan Herald, um, what were the kind of apprehensions you felt the uh, newspaper had? Yeah, it was uh, basically about how I'll take care of myself because uh, I'm from Chennai. Yeah. And this newspaper is based in Bangalore, which means I have to work. I have to move to Bangalore to work. Right. And uh, that was a challenge, uh, at least uh, from, from the newspaper's perspective, the editor's perspective. And then uh, I told them that I have people to support me. More, more than anything, I can support myself. It's not a problem. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame uh, the difficulties on my blindness because that was an issue, right? Uh, when somebody is giving you a job, the first thing they think is that, oh, you can't get work, out of, work done out of this guy because you know, if he comes late, for example, he will blame it on his blindness. Right. Or uh, if he's uh, doing a mistake and if you correct, try to correct him, he'll blame it on his blindness. That was right. the idea. That, that's how the... The, the general, uh, the, the society, the mainstream looks at a blind person. So you have to actually tell them that that's not the case. I take responsibility for everything that I do. And uh, fortunately, you know, uh, I, I was looked at favorably, probably because, you know, uh, I had been contributing for them. I had been freelancing for them for a, effectively a year before I joined them. So no questions about my, uh, the quality of work or my work as such. But uh, they wanted the assurances because, you know, I'm going to work in their premises. I'm going to work uh, in a city that's not familiar to me. So when you started your career, formal career in 2004 uh, with Deccan Herald, did you have access to the technology that all of us use today? There's some of them, especially screen reader. I remember that there was a friend of mine who was a lawyer. Yeah, uh, uh, I went to his house and then uh, he showed me how JAWS worked. This, is, this was in 99, 2000. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, wow, what a technology, you know. It took some time for me to first uh, work and earn enough to buy a, a personal computer of my own. I bought a, 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 a Celeron. I got it for month, monthly installment and I paid for it. And uh, okay. one of the assignments that I did it wasn't a, a magnificently, you know, wonderful pay, but it paid enough. It was uh, the 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 World Cup report I did for uh, All India Radio, so which is when I met you. Oh, oh, you're talking about the the World Cup for the, the World blind. Cup, yeah, the World Cup. Sorry, yeah, I, I should have said that. Yeah, the World Cup uh, cricket. Uh, uh, so uh, All India Radio uh, wanted a special uh, sort of five minute bulletin or a report on what was happening on the field. And once I had the computer, uh, it's about a matter of time, you know. I, I met uh, Srinivasalo 
in Bangalore one of, during one of my visits and he gave me the demo version of JAWS. That was the first time I ever, ever happened to use JAWS, 2000, right. Right. Uh, early 2003. And uh, well, that changed my life. I should say that once I started using it, I knew, I knew pretty well that uh, you know, it will change my life and uh, it did. It did change my life. So what were some of the early assignments that you did for Deccan Herald? I was doing editing work at the, at the features desk. Later, I moved on to the editorial desk and also regular uh, technology reporting. Some of the assignments I reported uh, was uh, the Intel developer conference. Uh, uh, people like Pat Jasinger and uh, some of those top level leadership used to fly down to Bangalore and then make presentations before uh, big audiences. So that was one of the first assignments. And then later, I remember meeting uh, Dr. Winton Surf. He told me about uh, how they, they first uh, put together the, the protocol for uh, the internet, which is TCP IP. The, basically, his contribution was about you know, how deaf people can communicate through telephone line. I mean, that sounded very weird when he thought about it, but he wrote the protocols that allowed emails to happen. So that was my other interaction. And then I had the first-hand experience and knowledge of watching some of the pioneering technolo technology developments that are mainstream today. For example, cloud computing was uh, taking shape at that time. And uh, there used to be this huge data centers on which you know, people invested a lot of money. And then it became cloud. So yeah, so uh, I mean, so it's about the social media. Social media is another. Uh, see, there are two, three strands to this uh, this uh, experience of mine. One is, I saw firsthand how technology transformed people with disability, especially yes. our ability to 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 kind of interact and exchange ideas through social media. That changed a lot. That gave us a voice. Uh, secondly, of course, uh, the economy how it changed, and uh, you know, how uh, democratized it became with smartphones. So, um, so this is, this is, I just saw the, the transformations that were taking place in the society uh, from a vantage point uh, of being a journalist. And uh, I had a, the, the honor and privilege of reporting some of them for my newspaper. And uh, of course, I also wrote a lot about disability and disability work. But sometime during 2014, uh, I became a, a rewriter and a copy editor. Uh, this is a far deadline-oriented job, you know, when you really have to read an article, get the crux of it, and then you know, present it in a way in which that is consumable for a, a newsreader, especially the one on a digital platform. And of course, I do, I do book reviews these days. Uh, that's become a passion sort for me. So you can read my book reviews on Tech and Herald. If you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness, please share the Iway National Toll Free Helpline number 1800532069. The number is one eight zero zero five three two zero four six nine. You've also written a book. Uh, so, what actually prompted you to think of writing a book, and what's this book about? 
This is around uh, 2010-11 when I got associated with an organization called Retina India. And uh, this gave me an opportunity to reconnect with the world of uh, people with blindness in a different way, especially those who had suffered gradual vision loss due to retinal conditions. What I realized was that uh, the, the situation on the ground wasn't much different from 1991. A lot of people work on the ground. But the ground is too large. The ground is too vast and sometimes unreachable that information wasn't available to people at the time when they need it. I happened to meet people from tier two, tier three cities and villages and rural areas where uh, even the basic, the most basic of information, such as, uh, you know, that you have... Uh, you know, uh, access to education through technology, or, you know, there are, there are facilities available, uh, uh, you know, for people with disability to go to schools. Even such basic information wasn't available, and parents were basically taking wrong kinds of decisions, you know, especially not sending the kids to school, especially if it turns out, if, if the kid is a, a disabled kid. And uh, a lot of people also lost hope, uh, especially with retinitis pigmentosa, you know, midway through their lives, they, they, they might have lost their eyesight. And uh, they think that it's over for them effectively. So until, you know, you kind of learn that, oh, there's a technology, there's something else that you can do with it. And uh, it's, it's possible to even get some employment. So then I realized that, you know, there is a disconnect between the society and people who suffer blindness. So that's when I thought I should write about what happened to me because uh, the tendency that, you know, when you look at a blind person, you think that, okay, uh, he's the same. All blind people are the same in the, in the eyes of uh, the society. But it's not, you know, because, you know, someone who's lost eyes midway through his life has a different experience from someone who's born blind. So that was, that was a trigger for my book. And uh, I consciously decided that I'm not going to write an autobiography. Rather, I'm going to write a memoir, which is a slice of my life, which is the aspect of my life where I transitioned from uh, a sighted person to a blind person and how it impacted my family and uh, my future life. So that was the memoir about, and uh, it was published by Random House India in in 2014. Uh, what was your first book called? Yeah, it's uh, Lights Out, uh, a story, a true story of a man's descent into blindness. You also uh, write a blog, which is uh, pretty active, and uh, you also do podcasts. Now, with these two mediums coming into play and also the social media becoming more and more popular, where do you place uh, in terms of value a book? The readership has kind of dropped. Or do you think people should kind of think of, uh, you know, telling their story via blogs and podcasts? The idea of writing a book was like a hazy one. But I did it. I did it and I published it. And only later did I realize that the process actually uh, needs a bit of a preparation. If you're writing a book, the first thing that uh, a publisher asks you, unless you self-publish, and even if you self-publish, the first question that you should ask yourself is, what's called an author platform. Yeah. You know, the author platform is basically 
how many email subscribers you have right. how many people actually are curious about the work that you do yes uh, how many people see something that they can take away from what you're doing and uh, you know to build this is a kind of a confidence building because after all at the end of the day uh, it's a business when they invest a huge amount of money on you these publishers actually look for uh, you know marketing opportunities and uh, you know they want a lot lot of this contribution to come from you because you know your writing more, better than the the publishers and you know where and or how to target the book and get the audience and they assume that you already have the audience most of them ask for it so social media is the best way to build your platform uh okay you can loosely build it around facebook twitter but uh, the more concrete ways of doing it is to create content for yourself and uh, prompt people to ask for the content to be sent to them uh, um, they do it by submitting their emails so with their consent you send uh, your content to them and they find they appreciate it and you give them an option to unsubscribe they are not happy with it so you know that's the way you build the platform so imagine uh, i don't i forgot the name of the gentleman who did it somebody in new york who who was a counselor basically a, a children's counselor or one of those counselors and uh, he wrote a book and then uh, he had so much contacts so many people benefiting from his work that uh, when he published an e-copy of his book 50000 people bought it you know because they knew him because they knew his work because because they trusted him they bought his book and uh, the 50 shades of gray uh el james's book yeah that first came as a self published book or a blog or something like that and then it metamorphed into a book and uh, most of the most of the books are like that you know they they start as a blog idea and then they slowly metamorph into a book so yeah so it's a process and uh, that's why i actively engage myself with uh, you know my potential audience and uh, i talk about my book my published book and my uh, not so much about my unpublished book because uh, it 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 kind of metamorphs itself into something else every year <laughs> i really have to find out a way to sort of uh, catch hold of it and put it on a Uh, on on paper so that uh, people can read it so yeah so that that's that's how that's why i engage and um so to answer your question it's basically you know uh, the social media actually feeds into your creative process and not something that hinders it in recent times uh, you also been uh, engaging with the newer platforms like uh, clubhouse and uh, so on so tell us a little bit about clubhouse yeah. and what do you actually do at clubhouse a very exciting very very exciting aspect of my life that you asked and thank you for that question because uh, clubhouse is one app where uh, i should say that uh, the last two months that i've got uh, involved with clubhouse uh, it's like a journey of self discovery you know you discover aspects of yourself that uh, you're not earlier aware of one of that is basically uh, you know how how you basically crystallize your interests you know what are you interested in right uh, so when i got in there i realized that i have a lot to offer 
as a spiritual seeker as somebody who has had a spiritual experience and that's when you know it all ties in you know my my blindness my my journey as a journalist and then uh, you know whatever else that has happened in my personal life everything ties into something and then i realized that i can talk authentically about manifestation because manifestation is all that we do in our lives you know we manifest uh, every minute of our life and it's not only positive but sometimes we manifest our fears right without knowing we're doing it unwittingly yeah and uh, uh, you know so i talk about that so clubhouse is this app where uh, you know you can create a virtual room and then uh, or you can participate in a virtual room and then talk to like minded people about subjects that you like you know uh, i keep telling people that don't use clubhouse for entertainment if you're not from the entertainment industry that is because it's a waste of time if you're going to sit there and talk about bollywood movies and have a, a fun time um, i mean you can do that it's your if it's your choice nobody's going to stop you but if you want more rewarding experiences out of it it's better that you engage with people with engage with minds see what what clubhouse has done now is that you can talk to somebody in los angeles and uh, you know a different you may be in different time zones but it's okay that you can get up in the middle of the night or if the topic is good enough the other person will get up in the middle of their night and then they sit and then you discuss you know aspects of life or aspects of your professional career uh, that is uh, of relevance to both of you and uh, you know people who listen to it or people who contribute to it also benefit in the process so i i, I should say that uh, spiritual oratory and spiritual uh, journey is something that i've discovered on clubhouse i mean the, the kind of consolidated as an authentic experience secondly of course uh, clubhouse has given me an opportunity to meet a lot of wonderful people it's a good platform to network and uh, you know where you can uh, sort of either professionally or otherwise um, you can seek expertise from other people or you can you can give your expertise to somebody and uh, you can have business collaborations and uh, or not so that's another use of clubhouse and the third and the most important point is that uh, you know in these days of uh, you know self isolation uh, stay at home situation and uh, where human contacts are broken clubhouse has provided a wonderful opportunity to reconnect to the world in a very very different and an exciting way so these are the three takeaways for me from clubhouse and uh, Uh, I must say that I'm enjoying the opportunity. To support our work with the blind and visually impaired, you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in. Please note www.scorefoundation.org.in. Uh, lastly let me kind of come back to your disability uh, you've been kind of living with your eye condition since 1991 or so and uh, it's nearly uh, 30 years so how do you look at uh, disability in your life is it something that uh, has uh, played a role in your life has it been uh, retarding your progress has it come in the way of your aspirations 
or uh, you managed to kind of uh, circumvent all that and continue living your dreams? Thank you for the question again. It's a, it's a fantastic question. And uh, I look at my disability as, a, as an identity. I don't look at it as, a, uh, as you know, a limitation or something that has made me inferior or superior to somebody. No, it has become a part and parcel of my identity. Uh, the one that I don't really feel embarrassed talking about. Uh, again, that, that's, that's one thing that uh, as I speak more from a, from, from a spiritual perspective, I realize that we all have taken the form that we have taken to experience our own unique uh, you know, stories and then convey it in an authentic and truthful way. So I, I don't really see that as a disability. I see it as an identity. And secondly, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I encourage people to go for a cure. But if you have uh, to go for a cure for a disease that's uh, sort of, uh, that's, that's posed a lot of uh, problem to scientists who have been, you know, sort of a, uh, researching about a, for a cure for what, 25, 30 years, spending hundreds and millions of dollars, the best thing that you can do is to forget tomorrow and start living today. That's what my disability has taught me. And it also taught me that, uh, you know, you don't have to be uh, shy. You don't have to really consider yourself uh, deprived of something. Uh, you can continue to experience life in a fulfilled way. Uh, only thing is you may have to do it differently. See, I, I, I funnily tell my, my team members that, you know, uh, who's going to realize that tomorrow morning they're reading the news headlines and the news copy edited by a blind person. They won't even know that. And if at all there's a mistake, you can give the excuse that you're a blind person in the team. Uh, I mean, I say this more in a lighthearted way, but, uh, but yeah, so I have the courage to say this now. And, uh, you know, you know I, can, I can make a joke on myself without having to uh, wallow in self-pity. And that's because I consider what I've experienced as very unique, very authentic, and very interesting. After all, you know, if everything is perfect in life, you will have the drabest of lives, right? I mean, can you read a story in which everything is no conflict, everything is fine, everybody's loving each other, nobody's bad? I think you'll throw away the book. Only when there's a conflict, there's a trouble, there's a challenge, life becomes interesting. So I can say with all authenticity and utter humility that I've led a very interesting life. That's very uh, interesting and insightful, uh, Subramani. Thank you so much for giving me the time and speaking to us. Wish you all the very best. Thank you for all the work that you're doing for the community and thank you for having me here. This podcast was brought to you by Barrier Break Solutions Private Limited and SCORE Foundation. Roshani ka karwa.